Hello, I'm your host, Delaney Rustin, physician and filmmaker of the Screenagers movies, among others, and this is the Screenagers podcast, all about helping youth thrive in the face of our complex digital age. When you think about the term social and emotional learning, otherwise known as SEL, and you think about middle and high schoolers, what comes to mind? First off, it might be the question, does this even exist? And second off, you might think, well, how does this go over with teens? Are they just rolling their eyes? Well, that was my concern a while back. And well, frankly, that's part of why I decided to spend some of the film Screenager's next chapter exploring stories that examined SEL in schools. So today I wanted to do a little boot camp on SEL because I have become a true believer that getting SEL skills more into schools is key. And now more than ever, with all the social and emotional realities students are dealing with, as parents, students, and teachers, we can all be advocating for how to make this happen. Today I talk with Jordan Posmentier, who is the Director of Policy and Advocacy for Committee for Children, an organization focused on children's positive development, and within it is Second Step, which creates SEL curriculums. One of the middle schools we filmed in for Screenagers Next Chapter was using their curriculum. Here's Jordan. I'm a former New York City public school teacher. I'm a licensed California attorney, and I have a long-standing background with advocacy, policy and advocacy, and especially with uh, advocating improvements in education. Great. Okay, so let's go over the five key areas that SEL covers. Sure. We can start with the self. So self-awareness and self-management. So self-awareness means perspective-taking, identifying your emotions, for example. Self-management is kind of what do you do with that awareness? It's how do you regulate yourself? How do you get yourself in a calm state of mind, a mind ready to learn? Self-awareness and self-management. And now the third one, social awareness. Social awareness means, uh, you know, recognizing that people have different perspectives from you or that they come from different backgrounds that can cause them to think differently and you to think differently from how they think. And now for the fourth one, relationship skills. Can you de-escalate uh, conflict? Can you even identify when you're in one? Uh, do you have a method for solving a problem that uh, requires engaging with other people to solve? Uh, and then finally, responsible decision-making, which uh, I view as sort of a culmination of all those skills wrapped together so that you can be you know, productively moving toward a solution. What's a common misconception people have about SEL? The common misconception is to skip over the idea that this really serves as a foundation for all kids. Some folks want to think of it as just for those kids over there, quote unquote, those who are already showing signs of uh, emotional dysregulation or who are exhibiting signs of behavioral disruption, uh, where, of course, SEL is needed too, but they're missing the important part where, you know, some kids might not show signs and, and might not be clearly exhibiting emotional dysregulation because they've done a good job of internalizing. That's just not how they show it on their face, but they need it too. Everyone has a social life and an emotional life. And if we ignore uh, the, the, the whole population, we're going to miss opportunities to help those kids. What I liked about Second Step's curriculum in the middle school is that it included a lot of short videos of teens talking, and they didn't feel scripted at all. 
And then the students were given time to discuss the videos in small groups, and they were motivated to talk. Yeah, and that was in direct response to what we were hearing was needed from the field. So when I was in middle school, you know, the only other middle schoolers I saw were those who sat in class with me. And so we all kind of have blinders on to what all is happening, and we never hear other middle schoolers sort of talk about their experience. And really to show an example of successfully working through some of these challenges, I think if I just like heard other kids talk about their experience, that would have been helpful. What I saw filming SEL programs in different classrooms around the country, the two things that students told me repeatedly that was important to them, that they weren't being talked down to, and the curriculum really had some interesting new things, not the same old, same old. And also that there was a lot of time for the teens themselves to talk among themselves or in the class. It's humanizing is, is what it is when you, when you recognize that young people have agency and deserve to be heard. That sometimes is a big mind shift for people. With high schoolers, teenagers feeling respected, well, that tells me that SEL uh, with, with those groups is probably being implemented in the way that I understand it should be. We need to create space for these discussions and teaching because unlike any other time in history, teens can and do turn to the internet for answers. And there's a chance of leading them down really risky routes. I think if we don't attend very carefully to some of these issues, uh, we'll find all of ourselves and we're shaped for it. I asked Jordan what he's been seeing politically about trying to get more SEL into schools. Five years ago, you probably couldn't say social-emotional learning in Congress, uh, either because people wouldn't know what it was or they just, you know, look at you like you're crazy. Now, that term has been seeded well enough that most folks know what you're talking about and most folks are open to it. Uh, So just in terms of federal policy, that's changed. But when you look across the states, you'll see it showing up in legislation introduced and even passing. I think a lot of people are waking up to this as a, a need and a value. I, and, and I've heard different parts of the country talk about it in different ways. Uh, you, you'll, you'll talk to uh, Florida or Texas, and they'll, they'll talk about social-emotional learning in terms of school safety, possibly in response to the mass shootings that took place in those states. Uh, you'll, you'll hear stories about an, uh, you know, new mental health challenges with kids uh, in various parts of the country, we we do these uh, regional presentations, and uh, at least in the Northeast, the Midwest, the Southeast, uh, very deep concerns about how do we work with kids who are experiencing uh, all these additional challenges with mental wellness, and they think now about okay, we should really think about preventing this, and 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 social emotional learning because it serves as preventive uh, has been regularly coming up in conversation. How much does it have an impact when we email our supportive bills? It matters a lot, especially when you are the parent in a district of a lawmaker who has influence in passing that bill. Lawmakers love to hear from their constituents, and they really like to hear stories from people like you, people like me, who either vote for them or don't, at least we have the option to, and really just relay our personal interest in whatever policy is coming before them. Now, some lawmakers definitely hold more influence than others. So, you know, you got to look up your lawmaker and see if they're, say, sitting on an education committee or if they're in a position of leadership. Uh, But beside that, 
uh, lawmakers do, I know it's a surprise, but they actually do manage their, their mail intake. If they're not reading it, a staffer is, and a, and a staffer usually uh, takes your piece of mail, categorizes it based on the, the content, and then relays that in a bundle back to the lawmaker. So they, they know what's going on. They might not read word for word, but you'll have an influence of some, of some amount. Well, I'm, I'm honored every time a parent takes the time to work with us to raise their voice to a lawmaker when the lawmaker needs to hear it. And there are a lot of ways to do it. I get that parents have busy lives, being one of them myself. Uh, but the way we've done it, for example, you can send a letter to your lawmaker under two minutes, and it'll say effectively what you feel in your heart and just otherwise don't have the time to pen on your own. So, Jordan, are you meaning like a form letter that you guys have created? Yes. Now, form letters, uh, I think, are less valuable than personalized letters. Our, our form letters just make it easy for parents, and they, they still do have an impact. Uh, sometimes they'll just get counted as a number, and you won't get as, as much of a response because it sounds just like the last 20 people who sent it in. But it still makes a difference. Ultimately, I'm reminded that with COVID, the emotional challenges of our kids are higher than ever. And the skills and spaces to talk about um, emotions is just needed more than ever. It turns out that COVID has been a catalyst to get more SEL in schools. Now, I would say the momentum has grown even more, uh, as you can see federally, where the COVID-19 relief funds have explicitly named SEL as something that schools can spend on as they're working their way through learning recovery and reopening and moving beyond the pandemic. So it really is at this point more than just a, a bullet point amongst many. It's risen to the top as part of our national conversation on how we wish to educate young people. So now with this boot camp, here is key information about how you and your family can take action to getting more skills into schools. Committee for Children's website is uh, www.cfchildren.org. And when you click on the advocacy tab, you'll be able to see the bills we track. And you click on whichever bucket of priority you want to review. We work, we, we do track all legislation across the country on social emotional learning or things very closely associated with it. So if you click on that, you'll quickly be taken to the map. You'll click the state that you live in, or if you want to see what's going on federally, you click the little capital icon for D.C. And so far as I can tell, we're the only organization that's tracking in this fashion across all the states, all legislation relating to SEL. You'll be able to identify a certain number of bills, and you'll see where they're at in their life. This all makes me think about the parents and teachers and counselors, teens. I mean, so many different people that I've talked with who want schools to have more time and programs and resources for helping youth gain skills. And while we didn't discuss it today, a major part of SEL is uh, getting skills more to the teachers so teachers can model things more. Having SEL woven into all the classrooms so there's more talk about empathy perhaps when they're reading their literature in an English class um, or talking about some of the science of problem solving in a math class. And here's some good news. Studies have shown that when schools incorporate more SEL that they see improvements in mental wellness and academics. 
That's it for our show today. And one quick thing, my new book, Parenting in the Screen Age, can be found at screenagersmovie.com, as well as you can learn about chapter clubs related to the book and how you can watch the Screenagers movies and so much more at the website. Thanks to my guest, Jordan Posmentier. Thank you to Lisa Tab, my co-producer. I'm Delaney Rustin, editor and producer of the Screenagers podcast, and I would love for you to share the show and let us know ideas for episodes you want to hear about.